Happy New Year. Let me pray for us as, um, as we press in here to the Word. Heavenly Father, I thank You for uh, this morning. I thank You, Lord, for smiling faces, um, for um, the noise and laughter and screams of little children. We thank You, Lord, for um, a building where the church can come and gather and be together. Lord, we pray that as Your Word is proclaimed this morning, that as Your Word is proclaimed, that it would be spoken right down into the very depth of who we are. Lord, that every person in this room this morning, every person um, watching and listening online would each individually be asking the question, is he talking to me? Lord, that your word would be so applicable and so directed and focused that it would speak into each and every person's heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I think you all know, I th- I've told you um, more than once before, that I, I am a, I'm a self-proclaimed New Year's junkie. I love it. I love New Year's. I love, I, love the, I love the feeling of new starts and new beginnings, even if it's fake, right? Or even if it's, uh, you know, people getting down on it. I, I, I just eat it up. I absolutely, I absolutely love it. Um, it's one of my favorite times of year. Um, for the next few weeks, we're going to be uh, in, a, in a little series um, about uh, purpose and direction and vision and, um, and remembering, remembering the why of life. Remembering the whys of life. If, if, no one, no one has ever, if no one has ever told you, if no one has ever, ever like seized the opportunity to remind you or to tell you, like, I want to I tell you this morning that, that despite how like humdrum and run-of-the-mill and over and over and over again just doing the same thing in life and seeking to like feeling like you're spinning your wheels or feeling like you're on a hamster wheel all the time, even in the midst of all that feeling, I want you to know this morning that there is a purpose for your life. That if you feel like you are on a hamster wheel, if you feel like you're just running a race that has no finish line. Over the next few weeks, I, I, I hope that the Word of God, the Spirit of God, um, the, the community of saints here together that we can both individually um, but also corporately remember the why of our lives. There, there is a why. There is a there is a reason. There is a purpose. There is a, there is a why 
to you being um, a parent. There, there is a why to you having a, a spouse, being in a, in a relationship with your spouse. There's a, there's a why to that. There's a, there's, a, there's a purpose behind that beyond just the, oh, this is now the person that I'm you know, a roommate with. There is, there is something deeper, there is something higher, there is something wider, maybe, than what it seems like it's just fallen into in the last day, week, month, years. There is a why to your job, the thing that you go and do every day, or the thing that you feel called to do but haven't done or are only slightly doing. There, there is a why to the fellowship that we have here as a church. There, there is a why to all of those things. There is a why to all of your life. It is not without purpose. It is not, it is not without a purpose that extends beyond just how I feel about it even in this moment. You see, the, what happens is, is when you do something long enough, over a long enough period of time, we tend to forget why we started doing it. And that goes for parenting, that goes for my marriage, that goes for my job, that goes for a, a goal that I had, like an exercise goal maybe at the beginning of the year, right? When, I, when, I, when you do something long enough, or the, the further and further and further away that you get from the point in time where you decided what the why is, the more and more difficult it is to remain focused on that why because you get, you get busy with all the details of life, all the details of the thing. And you're doing the work, right? And the work is hard. And so it's easy to forget the passion that birthed the thing that you're doing. We hear this all the time, don't we? Maybe some of you can testify to this. As, um, as a married couple, for instance, you spent the early years of your of your marriage together raising kids, right? And in the, in the hectic schedule and the busyness of that life, in the run, 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 in the focus on the kids and focus on the kids and focus on the kids, you get to the point where all the kids are out of the house and there is this point of like, we've been so focused here that we have forgot the why of our relationship together. And so now it has become this like, we need to remember the why. What, what did we commit? What did we commit to when we married each other? What did we, why? Rediscovering the passion of what made us make that covenant with each other and with the Lord. Like, about how our marriage is not meant just to make me happy. Our marriage, this marriage is meant to, to make us holy. And so, like in marriage, we forget it all the time. Oh my gosh, in parenting. You forget the why of parenting ever? Is parenting hard? Parenting is, parenting is incredibly difficult. Most of you know, know, um, know my story, Sherry, my and Sherry's story, that we adopted all of our kids after about 
seven or eight years of infertility, right? And we, are, we tried and 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 it didn't happen for us. So we adopted and now we're, um, you know, my, my oldest Noah is going to be 10 next month, right? So it's been 10 years since that moment. And, um, and so I, I, I can testify to the truth that in the midst of the parenting season that I am in right now, I need to remember the why. Why did I why did I want to be a father? Why why did I why did I want to have a child in my home? Well, I, I wanted to do that because I, I wanted to I wanted to raise a child in a different type of home and environment that I was raised in. I wanted to raise a child in um, love and faith of God. And I, I wanted to raise a child that, that served his family and served the Lord and served his community. And I, I wanted to, I had all of these whys about why I wanted to be a parent. Now, 10 years down the line, I've got Noah plus four more, right? And it's like, this is just hard. That's all it is. It's just hard work. And it's like a, it's a hamster wheel, right? And so, what would benefit me if I returned to the moment of remembering the why? Of rediscovering or being reminded of the purpose that God had placed upon me as a father, as a parent? How would it then change the trajectory maybe of the next year? Even the next day? How would it change the way that I interacted with my kids? The intentional decisions that I made about my time when I come home from work, right? Am I going to escape away or am I going to put my cell phone down and engage my kids and look at their eyes and hear about their day and pray over them and, and, and nurture their faith and soothe their fears and, and show them that, that their father loves them. You know, we need to remember the why. So we need to remember the why of our work. You know, at, at some point or another, you had a reason, you had a why that you started your job. And, and listen, I am, I am, I am not... Um, I am not saying that every job has to have some like super esoteric type of purpose. The why of your job may have been the bills on your counter. Okay? I get it. All right? But there is also some purpose to discover in your life and in the midst of your job when, it has, when, when the why of your job is that you are able to provide for yourself. You are able to provide for your family. It gives you, a, it gives you a, a, an environment to interact with others and to share the hope that you have in the gospel. Like, there is a why. There is a why to every single part of our life. And as our lives, um, as the details of life hit, we sometimes lose that we call it like the 20,000-foot view of something. See, the 20,000-foot the, the view is the view that you get 
when you back way, 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 way far away from the immediate details of what's going on, right? Because when you're in the midst of something, and when it's this close to your face, you can't see anything, right? You can't actually see it. All you can do is deal with it. But when you back way up, right? I'm learning this motion as I get older. I've got to go like this to see things. Um, when you back way up, right, what happens? You get a much more clear picture of that thing. And, and the 20,000 foot view, it gives you an opportunity to look at the whole thing as like you're looking at a timeline. From the moment that you started doing that or that you wanted to be a parent or that you, or that you got married to that person that you love or you started that job that you always wanted to have or you did this or you did that. It allows you to see that and it allows you also to see all of the hopeful things that you thought about there at the beginning about, about the good that that would do and about, and about how great that relationship would be and about the future that you would be creating for your kids or the impact or the difference that it would make in your life or the lives of people around you. And so when you step back from having it right in front of your face and you let yourself take a 20,000 foot view, it brings the why back into perspective. And what I want to do is I want to rediscover so many whys of my life right now. Because I feel like right, wrong, or indifferent in many different areas and in many different environments and many different types of relationships, the why has gotten lost in the hamster wheel. It's just like, just spinning around. And I thought if this is something that God is speaking into my heart, that maybe he's speaking it into your heart as well. So I thought we would take a few weeks here at the beginning of our year to rediscover the why. Rediscover it together. Rediscover it as individuals. Rediscover it as a community or a corporate life of faith. I think there's two real possibilities that could happen or that could come from this or that, like, that happened at the start of this one, is that along the path of, along this path of discovering the why or remembering the why of these various aspects of your life, um, you may discover that you really never actually knew the why. You never, you never really had this sense of purpose around being a parent. You never really had this sense of purpose around being a spouse. You never really had this sense of purpose about having this job or that job. You never really had a sense of purpose about a re this relationship or even your relationship with God. You just kind of stepped into it and you got going and you never really thought about it, never really put any time or effort into it. And so you may discover that you actually never really knew never really have known the why for the things that you are doing. And what I want to do is I want to tell you this morning, that's okay. It's okay. It's okay to come to this realization that, you know what, I don't actually really know why. I don't have, I don't have some grand purpose or some... some, some God-rooted idea for why I'm doing this. I, I really don't know. 
And, and, and my hope and, and my prayer and my confidence, right, is that, is that God will bring purpose to every area of your life that you ask Him to reveal His purposes for. Because He has one. You know that God has a purpose for your marriage more than just the hamster wheel it's in now. Or He has more of a purpose for your, your kids more than just a, oh, I hope they turn out okay. Right? He has more of a purpose for the job that you do even if you think it's the most m- meaningless and menial job that anyone could ever do, or if you don't have a job at all, like God can and will bring purpose to every single aspect of your life that feels like it's just worthless. And He will make it new. Um... Another possibility, and this is kind of where I'm sitting personally with a few of the whys of my life, is along this path, right, you, you, may, you may feel, feel tempted um, to pick up and carry a bunch of guilt, a bunch of shame, or a bunch of regret over forgetting the why of whatever it is you're doing. Like, Man, God has blessed me with these five kids. How in the world could I forget the why? How could I forget my purpose in their lives? How could I how how could I how could I treat the covenant between my wife and I with such like disregard and like, well, it is what it is or I don't care or or my, my job, or my, my calling, or your relationships, or your X, or your Y, or your Z, and you may feel like, what kind of a person am I? What kind of a person am I that I, that I just forgot the, the purpose of why I'm doing this thing, the, the reason that I'm, I'm involved in this, and, and feel a bunch of shame, and a bunch of regret, and a bunch of, um, and a bunch of guilt, over that, um, let me tell you here, now, this morning, is that God, God specializes in shame-free beginnings. One of, one of God's specialties is beginning things new again. Not, not when you get your life all together. Not when you come to some level of intellectual understanding, right? Not, not when you move from one place to the next. Not when you change a bunch of things and then go back to God and say, okay, God, I did all this work. Now can we start over again? No, no. God specializes in shame-free beginnings every day every moment, under any and every circumstance. You do not need to wait until next January. If you fail today, you can start again tomorrow. If you fail at 11 a.m., you can start again at 11.01 a.m. 
right? God specializes in burying the shame in the depths of the sea and giving you a fresh start. In fact, um, the Scripture in many, many places um, relates this very same point. Paul says in his letter to the um, Corinthians, his second letter, he says this about being a new creation, that, that therefore when we are in Christ, this is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. That, that by, by virtue of Christ's living presence within us in the Holy Spirit, that everything that is old, everything that is purposeless, everything that has kept us in that hamster wheel is gone. And that we have been made a new creation in Him. Another, um, another bit of wisdom from the Word this morning comes out of um, the book of Lamentations. Did you know that there's a book called Lamentations? Do you know where it is? Um, I had a hard time finding it last night. That's why I was asking. Um, as I was going over my sermon, I was like, ah, where's Lamentations again? Um, and I found it. Just in case you're wondering if your pastor ever forgets where in the Bible a book is. Actually, I do, right? Um, I don't have the whole Bible memorized. Um, Lamentations is right after the book of Jeremiah, which is right after the book of Isaiah which is right after the book of Song of Solomon and Proverbs and Psalms. So go to your, the middle of your Bible, then go to the right until you hit Lamentations, right? And you come across this book called Lamentations, and there's this awesome little scripture here in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. It says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They... His compassions, His love, are new every morning. Everything that consumed you yesterday, everything that tore you up inside, everything that tore you up or tore you down on the outside, everything that felt like overwhelming, the, a burden uh, that you could not that you could not carry everything that consumed you because of the Lord's great love, you, you are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. The compassions, the love of the Lord to give you a new beginning despite what consumed you yesterday, never fail. Never end, never run out, never dry up. If you're sitting here this morning, if you're listening with us or watching with us this morning, and you're saying, it's been too many years, it's been too many times, it's been too many decisions, it's been too many horrible circumstances, it's been too many sleepless nights, it's been too many depressed or anxious days, too many anxious moments, too many addictive binges, 
too many, too many, too many, too many. I can never find my way forward. God will never help me go forward again. Right? Listen to me when I say, let the Holy Spirit speak this into your heart this morning. The mercies of God for you are new every single day. Every single moment. His compassion never fails. His love never ends. Shame-free, guilt-free, new life beginnings are God's specialties. They are, they are what God does. He is in the business of redeeming things. He is in the business of redeeming your life. He is in the business of redeeming your circumstances. He is in the business of redeeming everything that consumes you. Every bit of purposelessness that you feel ties you down. God is in the business of redeeming. So we're going to be talking over the next four weeks about remembering the whys. Remembering, first, remembering the why of me or you, right? Um, and we're going to get to why, that's, why that why is important, all right? The why of me. Uh, remembering the why of my relationships. Maybe that relationship is with your kids. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with your mom or dad or your family member. Maybe it's with uh, your best friend. Um, maybe it's with a grandchild. It, uh, remembering the why in your relationships. Do our relationships have a purpose? Have a why outside of just being, hey, just a random person or that I know and I'm in relationship with. Do they have a do they have a greater calling, a greater purpose? Do my, does my marriage have a greater purpose than what I'm experiencing right now? Does my relationship with my kids, does my relationship with my friends have a greater purpose than what I'm experiencing right now? Anyone here ever been worn out by another person? Been worn out? Like, done? Like, I am done. Like, you've been worn out by another person? You know, you know, you know why? Because we forget the why. We forget the why. Whether that person is your kid or whether it's your spouse or whether it's your friend or whomever it is, we get, we get worn out with other people because we forget the why. We forget the purpose of that. Um, the why of my work or your calling. Anyone ever have a job that when they first started it, they absolutely loved it? Best job in the whole world. They're in it right now and they're like, get me out of here, Lord. Jesus, please come back. Right? Forget the why, right? We get so we get so caught up in the details that we 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 fail to see or we're unable to see now the the possibilities that God has offered to us or the, or what God is doing in us through our job or or the way in which we can love others or that we can make an impact or make a difference. We have to remember the why. You have to keep the why in front of your face all of the time or it's so easy to get discouraged. 
It's so easy to get wore out. It's so easy to get caught up in the hamster wheel if you forget the why. We can't forget the why. And then we're going to talk about the why of the church. Now I'm sure that none of you believe, you know, like, none of you come to church on Sunday because it's just what you've always done, right? None of you come to church on Sunday because you're supposed to or because you were forced to. I know that none of you um, come to church on, on a Sunday and have all of these like um, super unfair expectations and um, understanding. I mean, I'm not, I won't be preaching to any of you, I understand that, but if there's anyone that you know, all right, I'll just give you some information so, so you can go out and tell your friends about why the church is here, right? What is the purpose of our life together? Maybe we need to remember the why of why we're all in the same room, why we're all listening online. Remember the why of, of why Jesus said, hey, um, hey, Peter, James, John, Paul, Hey, go out and do this thing. Create this community. Start this church. Jesus had a why. Jesus had a why for the church. And our job always as a church, my job as a leader is always, right? Making sure that if Jesus' why for the church is going this way and our why for the church is going this way, that I yank us back here to center. Right? Because we always want to go like this, and like this, and like this. And we always need to be yanked back to center. Okay? So, the why of me, the why of relationships, the why of my work and my calling, the why of the church, today um, functions kind of just like as a primer on the whole thing. Let's just prime the pump of the why in your life. Um, as well as maybe the beginning steps for next week, which is all about the why of you. <laughs> the why of you. And I'll, I'll let the cat out of the bag here. Um, I'll actually get to this point in the, in a, in, here in a few minutes, but the why of you is that uh, you're not an accident. Uh, your, your life is not an accident. Your life was meant to have purpose. Your life has a very, very, very significant why to it. And you may think that you have squandered that why. You may think that it's too late for you to discover and to step in the purpose uh, for which God has called you and created you and designed for you and is excited for you, but it's not too late because His mercies are new every morning. But I will tell you this, it is impossible. Out of all these categories, it is impossible to remember your why or to discover your why without grasping this one very significant point that runs through every other message that we will share here in the next few weeks. Every why of your life. I'm sure you're all listening here. This is critical. Every why of your life, every single 
purpose. Every 20,000 foot view is inseparable from your relationship with God. Every single one. Your work, the why of your work, the why of your marriage, the why of your parenting, the why of your friendships, the why of your relationships with others, your own self-worth, every single one of your whys is first and deeply rooted in your relationship with God. If you, if you seek a purpose or if you seek a why in any of those things outside of a rootedness in God, you will end up in a really, really, really shallow puddle. I find that to be true. Like, if we're using my example as like kind of a case study, like use parenting as an example, if I find, if I find my, work, my, my why, or I forget my why or my purpose with my kids, right, and I kind of just like, this is too hard, there's too much work, I... I forget why I even like wanted to be a parent to begin with, and I just kind of like, well, I just kind of throw up my hands and hope they turn out, hope they turn out okay, right? So I, I, my why to parenting now becomes, I just hope they're okay. Instead of, I want to develop them into disciples of Jesus Christ, or whatever that, that why would be. Then, then when they're not okay, When, when, I've, when I've based my why on this really shallow, I, well, I, just, I hope they turn out okay, that's a really shallow puddle to stand in. A really shallow puddle. It doesn't hold any life. It doesn't hold any water, right? It holds nothing. And we, we know how quickly shallow puddles dry up in the midst of the hamster wheel of life, right? But, but discovering or remembering the why that God gives, that God gives for these types of things. That God gives. What is the why that God gives for your parenting? What is the why that God gives for your marriage? What is the why that God gives for your work or your relationships? What is the, what is the why that God God gives when you when you discover that when you when you stand in that when you grasp for that then then not a shallow puddle now now you're in a deep deep well that never runs dry remembering the why and its rootedness in God will always leave you passionate motivated working hard seeing things from 20,000 feet because you, because you can see and remember the why and the purpose and the, and the eternal trajectory and destiny. You must remember the why. We must remember the why. In perhaps one of the Apostle Paul's most like significant letters um, he wrote 
he wrote this letter uh, to a church in the city of Ephesus. And um, Ephesus was um, a relatively well-to-do or wealthy place, right? And they were, they, the church there was growing, and the disciples there were growing, and it was like a, kind of an up-and-coming church plant of Paul, right? But they had, they had a crisis of identity there. And that crisis of identity was really just a function of their own spiritual immaturity. They didn't know who they were. They didn't know who they were in Jesus Christ. They didn't have a why for them. They had no way to root their own existence as people in their relationship with God. See, if you have, if you have, you have nothing in order to root you in your relationship with God or tether you to your relationship with God, then you may feel as though your life is purposeless. You don't know your why. Why am I here? Why do I exist? Why, does God, why is God doing this? What is my purpose? What is my plan? What is my why? Well, Paul sets out to answer, at least in some ways, some of these questions for the Ephesian believers because he wants them to know how purposeful and how rooted in a relationship with God they really are. Now listen, this is a word not just for the people in Ephesus, this is a word for you and I. This is, for, this is a word for a people who think God's always mad at them. This is a word for a people who think God is always disappointed in them. That God is a mean, angry old man with a lightning bolt getting ready for you to do something wrong so that he could point it out and make you feel guilty for it so he can try and change your behavior, but your behavior never changes. So you do it again and then you're more shameful and more guilty and it just goes round and round and round and round and you can't just, you just can't seem to escape this feeling or this idea that all God's job is is to make you feel bad about who you are and what you do. This is a word for you. That at the very beginning, in Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 3, Paul says, Hey, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Read this as if Paul is writing it to you. As he's writing it to us. Okay? For he, for God, chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. When did God choose you? God chose you before he chose anything else. Before a single word came out of his mouth, let there be light, let there be dry ground, let there be sea, let there be sun, moon, and stars. 
let there be this, let there be that. Before God chose anything else, before God created anything else, he says, he chose you in Christ Jesus. He chose you. You know the awesome thing about um, when someone chooses you? It means there was options. It means there was options. And out of all of the options, God chose you. God chose you to be holy and blameless in His sight and in love. He predestined us to be adopted as His children through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and His will. You know what brings God pleasure? You know what what signifies and magnifies the completion and fullness of His will? It's Him choosing to adopt you as His child. Now, adoption is a funny thing, right? Because adoption, again, is a choice. God has adopted us. Made us His own. We are not, we are not fake children of God because we are adopted by Him. Like all of my kids are adopted. They all have my last name. They all, they all are legally, they are all, uh, they all legally have the right to everything that is mine. They're not, they're not half kids. They're not kind of your kids. They're not, they're not. Fake kids are not really, really yours. They're just kind of like, they're not actually yours, but you just adopted them, right? They're not actually yours. No, they're actually mine. And I, I, I have a piece of paper that says they're mine, and I, I'm listed on all of their birth certificates. Did you know that? And they all have my last name, and they are all due. They, they are all... They are all do everything that I have is theirs. And, and in heaven, guess who is their father in, um, in, up in heaven? I, I, I'm their father, right? Like, that's who I am. It's not when God says he adopts us, right? He, we may not feel like his children, right? But there is, there is no difference between an adopted child and a naturally born child. He he picks us up in his arms and he welcomes us into his family and he and he gives us his last name he gives us his holy spirit right he puts his holy spirit in us which is a deposit guaranteeing our salvation right and and all of his inheritance is now due us the the inheritance of eternity the inheritance of his blessing the inheritance of his forgiveness and his redemption when god adopts us everything that god has now becomes ours and god made the choice to adopt us so that every part of you would be accessible to every part of Him. 
It goes on in verse 7, in Him, in Jesus, we have redemption. We have a new beginning. Through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Christ. He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. Um, In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His children. In verse 7 it says He lavished us in redemption and forgiveness. In verse 9 it said He he made His will to us known because it's His good pleasure to do so. Listen, the why of you is not an accident, but an intentional, thought-out, predestined plan of God, desire of God, and delight of God. You have a purpose that goes so much further beyond the rat race that you are running or the purposelessness that you feel. I'm going to give you some homework for this week, okay, in preparation for next week. Um, And you can do with this homework whatever you want. My recommendation for you is that you um, would be that you pray this several times a day. My recommendation is that maybe you would write this at at the top of a sheet of paper, right? And you would do some like journaling or writing about it because God will speak to you if you ask Him. You know, the funny thing is, is if you ask the questions that God wants to answer, He'll never shut up. Right? If you ask the questions that God is eager to answer in your life, you will hear Him and hear Him and hear Him and hear Him and hear Him. Right? And this is one of those questions that God delights to answer because God delights for you to know the truth about it. So in preparation for next week, in preparation for the message next week, I want your your spirit and your soul to be doing this homework. Ask God this question in prayer. God, what do you want me to know about me? What do you want me to know about me? What we're asking God to do is to give us a picture of ourselves through His eyes. God, what do You want me to know about me? This will be the most important week, right? Because if we don't, if we don't come to at least a beginning witness inside of ourselves of like that God has an eternal purpose for us, that, that God has thoughts about us, that God has desires or purpose for us, then it doesn't matter what the purpose for your marriage is, right? It doesn't really matter what the purpose for your, for your parenting is or your, your work or your calling or your friendships or your relationships, right? 
right? If, if, if we can't find some rootedness in who God has called, or who God, like, the why of me, the purpose of me, then the purpose of everything else really is inconsequential. But you do have a purpose. And you do have a why. And there is a reason. There is a reason for you. And it's not just always to be tired and overwhelmed and discouraged and anxious and depressed. It's not just to be doing life just to get through it, trying to make it to the next day, trying to get to the next good thing. That's not purpose. That's survival. And, and God has not created us for survival. God has created us with intentionality, with choice, as His children, for a specific purpose. And He wants you to know that. He wants you to know what that is. He wants you to understand that. He wants you to live in it. He wants you to experience it. If I could uh, get maybe two volunteers to help me pass some of these out, it would be helpful. Um, Bryce, thank you. Anyone else? Jess, thank you. So as is our custom, we take uh, communion here. We, we celebrate and remember um, communion on the first Sunday of every month. Um, yes, we are still using the cups and the wafers because the box isn't empty yet. And um, we are good stewards of your tithes. So... <laughs> um, so... <laughs> um, But as I have uh, shared with you um, for months previous, although um, whatever this thing is in here, this wafer, um, it actually is, we're not really sure. <laughs> whatever the, the juice is here, we're, we're, not, we're not actually sure. But that's okay. And the reason that it's okay is because if it was the best bread ever baked and the most refined aged wine ever poured, it would not more completely represent the Holy Spirit of God than this does here. Because communion has never been about the actual elements. The actual bread and the actual cup. Communion has always been about the Spirit of God living by faith in those elements. And so, we, we take these things not because we love the way they taste or 
love the way they feel in our mouths or because they're the most perfect representation of the body and blood of Christ. We take these things because we believe that um, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit has no boundaries. Okay? Uh, when we receive communion here, uh, what we do is we believe that everyone who desires let me get this open without spilling it um, that everyone who desires to have an experience of faith with the Holy Spirit is welcome to have is welcome to take communion with us. You do not need to be a member of our church. You don't need to be a member of any church. You don't need to have had communion somewhere else before. You could have taken communion 50,000 times before in your life. The, the requirements for entrance into the communion table are a firm and secure faith. That what Jesus Christ offers you in the breaking of His body and the shedding of His blood is perfectly and wholly sufficient for the forgiveness of your sins. And that as you receive it by faith, you are remembering once again the work that Jesus did on the cross and asking the Holy Spirit by faith to fill you with faith and to forgive your sins. Well, as the worship team comes uh, back up, we'll pray over these elements. Worship team, you can bring your communion up with you if you have it. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took a loaf of bread and He gave thanks to His heavenly Father for that bread and then He broke the bread and gave it to His disciples. And He said to His disciples, I want you to take and eat of this, all of you. This is My body which has been broken for you and for many. Take and eat it. And then Jesus took the cup and He gave thanks to His heavenly Father for the cup and he gave the cup to his disciples and he said, Take and drink from this cup, all of you. This is my blood which has been poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins.